That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from, head to a thing or two HQ.com to subscribe to our newsletter and to sign up for Secret Menu, our jazzy new hub for members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And as a reminder, we're offering free ad reads to Black-owned businesses. So hit us up at podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Whew. We did um, it. You know, it's been one of those like <laughs> Zoom days where mm-hmm. nothing's quite working. We couldn't hear each other for a while. Then we couldn't record the intro well, which was our own fault, but I'm going to blame it on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And then Zoom tried to kick us off. It's just been like one of those days. I'm definitely missing the coziness of recording in the same room with a producer who's responsible for all of the tech. Same, 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 same. But I'm not missing commuting to a podcast studio in Midtown Manhattan. You know what? Me neither. It's nice to do it from home. It's nice to have all of my snacks here within arm's reach. Now when you're like, I need a snack, it's just like you go right there. It's not, you don't have to like go to Pret down the street. I did actually think of that when I told you, I was like, I just need 10 minutes. I'm going to go get water and a snack. And I was like, how great is it that that was not a big deal? (laughs) True. It's really true. It's yeah. truly is. What a small victory. Um, <laughs> small victory indeed. Uh, so so we're going to, on this episode, talk about mammograms and colonoscopies, which just as a heads up, if anybody's not in the mood today to talk about cancer or bodily functions or things like that, maybe, maybe put a pin in it. But before we do that, we need to talk about milk pouches, which I think is not sensitive for anyone. No. Um, and I maybe encourage- for you. I mean, I feel like you have a little, not even PTSD, but just, you know. Yeah. There's some trauma for sure. Trauma. Like trauma. Um, I was just shocked that you didn't know what they were when I brought these up. I thought that these were like part of the, like born in the mid eighties starter pack. And for, for all American children, yeah, but not yeah. for you. No, I've, ne- I've never, I don't think I've even seen one of these. Um, oh even gosh. when you like mention it, I, the, the two things that I thought of when you said it were Go-Gurt, mm-hmm. another dairy pouch, um, <laughs> and Capri Sun, another beverage pouch. Yeah. I mean, definitely of the same era as Capri yeah. Sun. Um, although we were a Juicy Juice family, so. They're same. Really? Oh, we were... Oh, because Juicy Juice was 100% juice. <laughs> yeah. And Capri Sun was 10% juice. And so we weren't allowed to have that except special occasions, like when someone else's mom brought them to soccer practice. Totally. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought up Capri Sun because I think it will help you understand part of part of this. Because the story starts with being called to a morning assembly in second grade. And as you know, anytime there was like a surprise assembly, it was really exciting. Like what are they going to tell us? What's going to happen? Who's in trouble? What's going to change? Because you're like subtraction (laughs) section of the day got canceled. Yes, exactly. So second grade, we all get called to the cafeteria slash auditorium, which were one and the same at Lombardi Elementary. And the reason we were there was because they were announcing that we were no longer going to be served milk cartons in the cafeteria. They were going to start serving us milk pouches. Mm-hmm. And the reason why this had to be an assembly and not just, you know, a sign in line at the cafeteria was because milk pouches required quite a lot of instructions and practice in order to be able to use them correctly. Because milk pouches are just rectangular pouches that are sealed all the way around. It's not like a Ziploc. They're sealed at every corner and every edge and they're filled with milk Mm -hmm. and plain milk and chocolate milk. And in order to properly use them, what you have to do is lay it flat on the table and then you take your hand and sort of, you put in an L shape. So your thumbs out, the loser L. So you've got your fingers at sort of a right angle and you put that sort of on top of the milk pouch. And then, so you're creating some tension sort of in between your pointer finger and your thumb. And that's where you want to take your straw and spear your straw into the milk pouch. And a really important thing here though, is that you have to have your thumb over the top of the straw or the milk will spurt out when you're jamming it in. And so um, you were like six or seven being yeah. given these instructions. And um, I have to assume... And I'm sure it went super well. It just went super, super, super well. There was milk flying everywhere. Because also, I assume that the first graders and kindergartners were also getting these same instructions. It was totally absurd. It was so hard for everybody to do it. It also obviously led to so many antics because there's so many things you can do with, with these pouches. You can blow up an empty one and then spear the the straw all the way through it. And it becomes sort of like a balloon slash pinwheel type of thing. Yeah. 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 You can also feel like a cool kid and be like, I'm not even going to use the straw. And then you just tear a corner off with your teeth and then just suck it out of the pouch. You can just throw the pouch at your friend. Like it's a water balloon because that's essentially what it is. There were just so many things that people would do. Do you think there's a reason why it wasn't designed with a straw hole like Capri Sun? <laughs> it's a really good question. I mean, because there was, we do, we've just established yeah. that there was the technology. <laughs> we have. Here's the thing about milk pouches and the true, the truly hilarious thing about milk pouches, although I don't know if it will, like if anything will ever top sending second graders to an assembly to learn how to use a milk device. But- These are people like just truly months <laughs> off from tying their shoes. Like they're just... <laughs> But the truly hilarious thing is that these were positioned as the eco-friendly alternative, and that's why we were all using them, which now in 2020, when we are aware that plastic is never the eco-friendly alternative, (laughs) seems truly absurd. But the idea was like, there's so much less waste than in a carton. And so you're just going to have this like thin plastic pouch. And of course, that's the better option. Just thousands and thousands of thin (laughs) plastic pouches. That's the answer. Yeah. And Um, straws and straws. And Uh, and plastic straws that were in plastic wrap. Right. Yeah. We were we were still so far off from uh, Adrian Grenier teaching us all about the evil of straws, unfortunately. Oh um, my gosh. But fortunately for, you know, this really specific time in my life and that will forever be colored by the pouches. I also, when you told me you hadn't used the pouches, I did some research 
found out that California basically had like a statewide eco mandate. So I think all public schools in California for a period of time were using them. And then I also figured out that all, as far as I can tell, all the pouches were made by DuPont, which explains why we were using them because I grew sure up does. where DuPont was headquartered. But yeah, I was floored that you hadn't used them and just felt like I really wanted you to be educated on the finer points of the milk Thank pouch. you. I really appreciate that. Today's episode is brought to you by Aaron Williams Art. The seasons are changing and with that comes an opportunity to spruce up your walls with new original abstract and floral work by DC artist Aaron Williams. Aaron's work is characterized by strong texture, vibrant color, and unique angles and shapes. A self-taught artist, she approaches each piece intuitively by tapping into her fondness for nature, travel, and music. She approaches each piece as if it's a journal entry, a place to share her instincts, unload her feelings, and explore tension in a way that leaves the viewer feeling seen and understood. Check out her work at erin-williams.com slash shop. That's erin-williams.com slash shop. Prints start at just $35. Today's episode is brought to you by Overlooked Beauty. Overlooked Beauty is a Black-owned skincare collection dedicated to simplicity and accessibility. Their products are made up of all-natural oils and butters that are made to deeply moisturize, replenish, and heal the health of your skin, making it perfect for those who have dry, sensitive, and eczema-prone skin. They source their main ingredient, shea butter, from women working in Nigeria's shea butter industry. Purchasing directly from these women, who typically sell their shea butter at a cheaper rate to companies or salespeople who will resell at a higher margin, opens up opportunities, providing them with a constant source of income, which in turn helps them provide for their family and communities. The work of their hands is the very thing that could change the trajectory of their lives and generations after them. The idea for Overlooked Beauty came from their founder's passion about learning and investing in the growth of underserved communities and her obsession with everything natural. Check out Overlooked Beauty's products for yourself at overlookedbeauty.co. I used to care so much about portraying a perfect life and acting like everything was okay when really things were far from it. I was secretly battling anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. So it was a lot. I am Victoria Garrick, former Division I athlete, mental health advocate, and host of RealPod. Every Wednesday, I sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, and more to talk about the inner thoughts and feelings that we're all struggling with. So leave the filters and facetunes at the door and join me on RealPod. The thing that this calls to mind for me is just like a, a much later school milk innovation, which was <laughs> the gallon challenge. Oh, yeah. Was, was this uh-huh. this happened by you? I feel like only at summer camp, mm, but not, mm, not in my high school. I feel like this happened during that like during homeroom or something oh, or like God. during these weird pockets of time that people, that kids had in junior high that when, you know, you'd have those lunch periods that were like mm-hmm. A, B, C and D yes. lunch periods and oh, yeah. you'd have class for two. And then you'd have one that was just like, we don't know what the fuck to do with these 25 <laughs> minutes. That was when you would yeah. do the, when kids would do the gallon challenge and then like, so up. where would they get a gallon? I, that I couldn't tell you. I really don't know. And where were, were they doing it in a classroom or in the cafeteria? Definitely in a classroom. Gross. I'm picturing classroom. I'm picturing carpeting. Oh, gross. (laughs) I do feel like this topic, both of these are really ripe for voicemails because I feel like personally, I am forgetting a couple of alternative uses for the milk pouch and the way that kids got into trouble with them. So I really want to hear if people have memories of that, what you were doing with your milk pouches. I also really want to hear about the gallon challenge from people. Yeah, I do. (laughs) 
I do. Uh, well, until then, should we talk about mammograms and colonoscopies? Let's do it. We both got very grown up um, screening, medical screening procedures this summer. What a, what a summer it was or spring and yeah. summer, really. Yeah, truly. Um, just, just like layers, layers of all of this. Yes. Um, so we both ultimately had to get mammograms this spring, which is weird and surprising. And unlikely. I was going to say, was, was it a surprise or was it not a surprise? <laughs> is it, will the universe say the only thing that we are not going to go through together in life is having babies? Everything else we will do at the same time. I, I guess I, that yeah. was like definitely what the universe was trying to say the second week of March this year. That's for sure. So the story begins, I guess, when one night I was reading in bed and I found a lump on my left breast. Um, and this was like early March. And, and was I, that your first time feeling it? I was trying to remember. I thought you had kind of like been loosely aware of it in the past and maybe it had gone no, away. No, this is the first time I was feeling okay. it. My boobs had like itched before. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. That's what made me really nervous when yeah. you had yeah. a lump because I was like, oh, is this related to the itching? Yes. Um, and I had talked to my both my gynecologist and my dermatologist about the itching um, and nobody was concerned. And the dermatologist specifically said like, this is not, this is not a symptom of something bigger. So like, don't like, it's a skin, it's a skin issue. If anything, it's not like something else. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was reassuring, but I found a lump in my breast and it was like very obviously a lump. Mm -hmm. And I was already like, I was already planning on making a doctor's appointment because I was having all these like dumb tailbone issues. And so I was like, okay, I gotta just do this. And it was also just this moment in time. It was as we were sort of ramping up to lockdown, but lockdown hadn't started and, and uh, coronavirus was definitely like, like, but like surfacing in the right. US. And I was just like, I was anxious in general and then became super, super anxious about this and couldn't tell if I was just applying anxiety to this thing because there was so much anxiety floating around in my life or what. But I know that I was also, you know, in thinking about it more like triggered mm -hmm. um, for sure because I had an aunt who died of breast cancer five years ago and had gone through that experience and had another aunt who passed away of, of a different form of cancer when I was in middle school. And so I think was just starting to have that feeling of like, am I like a middle-aged woman now who had, who, right. who these things happen to? Is this um, one, is this my time? Is this, this my, my turn? Yeah, totally, totally, yeah. totally. So I went to my primary care physician um, and she was like, you're not being a hypochondriac. These, these are things like worth getting checked out and you should get a mammogram. And you'd never had a mammogram before. I'd never had a mammogram before. Because we're in our mid thirties and you're supposed to start at 40. Is that right? Well, so there's varying advice basically. Okay. Let me see. The Mayo Clinic says annually starting at 40. The American Cancer Society says 45 and the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force says 50. And the main concern about... I'm no doctor, but 50 sounds crazy to me. It really sounds late to me too. Again, not a medical professional, yeah. no idea. Um, but the real concern with starting hypothetically, quote, like too early is that people could go in for a breast cancer screening and get a false positive, or they could spot something that would clear up on its own or something that would, they would eventually biopsy and realize was no big deal. And does that create, you know, more anxiety for a person? Right. Um, I mean, I think you and I personally lean on the side of like, no, like you just, it's, yes, there might be anxiety in finding this thing and realizing it's nothing, but then you yeah. realize it's nothing. And isn't that so great? I, it, Again, I'm truly no doctor. I'm not even close to a medical professional. I know nothing about like public policy when it comes to health. I just think 
why, why not get it checked out? I also just think the thing that I keep hearing about breast cancer, especially recently, is that if you catch it early, your chances are really good of getting past yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. That is definitely true. Yeah. So I made an appointment to get a mammogram and was like super like freaking out about you were, it, it in was, general. Yeah, you were really, really anxious about it. And I was somewhat anxious for you and more just worried about like your state of mind about it because I could tell that it was really upsetting you. And I really just, didn't, I did, I did assume that a lot of it had to do with feelings it was bringing up about your aunt, which had been a really traumatic experience for you. And then, so in the time in between when you found out you had to get a mammogram and then, and your appointment to get the mammogram, I just had my regular annual pap smear and went in like do, do, do. And the doctor was like, I feel something weird in your breast. You need to get a mammogram. And for whatever reason, I was not anxious about it, but I was really anxious about telling you because I knew that you were so anxious about yours. And I think I had sort of had the opposite approach where I was like, everything's so crazy with coronavirus and it's so scary. And here's this one really straightforward piece of direction where like nobody knew. We know what the process is yeah. for, for this right now. Exactly. Yeah. And I had had, I remember, you know, my mother having cysts in her breast growing up. And so having to go get mammograms occasionally and, and get them biopsied and, and it turning out to be nothing. So I had had that experience of it being okay. So yeah. I felt I felt that gave me some hope. And I also knew that my doctor wanted to be cautious because I had a history of breast cancer on my mother's side. My grandmother and my aunt had both had it, um, which it wasn't something I was aware of before she told me that it was something I needed to be more cautious of. Um, it's more of a, it's a genetic predisposition. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and my aunt had tested BRCA negative, so I wasn't like concerned about that. But yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell Erica this? <laughs> Well, I'm like both glad and sad that that was the thing about this experience that made you the most stressed. Um, yeah. Well, and I also didn't want to be not be like, well, I'm not anxious about mine. So you shouldn't be anxious about yours. Cause I was like, I can't for the life of you tell you life why explain you why you feel I'm one way or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then lo and behold, your original mammogram appointment gets canceled and we end up having mammogram appointments on the exact same day. That's right. That's right. That's right. Makes a ton of sense. Makes yeah. so, so much sense. And so we ended up going to get these mammogram appointments. We, we drove together. We went to mm-hmm. mine in the morning, yours in the afternoon. It was, it was my, it was my first public outing in a pandemic. I was like, yeah. it, cause I remember it was my first time utilizing plat, like the gloves and the masks and being like, Oh, I guess this is how well, you and it was. And it was on, it was before masks were the thing that they are right. now. And we just had like the cheap surgical masks. Yeah. Um, and it was before, you know, it was when you were just like, well, I guess, you know, we should use this if we right. can, but you know, everybody was being like, don't buy them all up. Oh, right. don't buy up the N95. Oh God. What? Just to think back <laughs> yeah. at March. We both felt like the mammogram experience was just not like what people had hyped it up to be. Like it wasn't bad. I just imagine like a Kathy cartoon uh, style of mammogram where they're like, ah, this is so painful and your boobs getting smushed between like an anvil and an iron. And it wasn't like, it certainly wasn't a fun or it wasn't like comfortable, but it, it was nothing that I felt like I would dread or avoid. Like it was way more comfortable for me than the dentist. I to- totally, I think for me, it was like basically somewhere between the discomfort of 
the dentist x-ray plastic pieces in Which your mouth. Which is particularly plastic. Bad. Yeah. Why don't people complain about that more? Because I think that is terrible. And <laughs> I don't understand terrible. why we have to jam that plastic in our mouths like that, how there's not a better <laughs> answer for one. I agree with you. They're all And then anything where you have to have, um, like getting an IUD inserted or having mm. your, why can I not think of the word? Uh, your, what's it called? Dilated. Your cervix dilated. Yep. Your cervix. Yep. yep. Yeah. Cervix I, for 400. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, pupils? Um, <laughs> that doesn't hurt. That's the other thing that gets yeah. dilated. You're right. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the IUD insertion is straight up like on the level of childbirth for me. It's awful with apologies to everyone who had an unmedicated childbirth. Uh, but yeah, this is like nowhere near IUD insertion. It's uncomfortable. It's nothing to avoid though at all. No, it feels like my best, my best explainer is it feels like your boobs getting pressed between like a George Foreman press without um, the, without the ridges. Yeah. Yeah. Which like, that's much better than with the ridges. I <laughs> totally. think like, so much better than with the ridges. And at my place, they did this cute thing, which I really enjoyed or, you know, appreciated where they, so they put a sticker on your boob where they think where the, the area of interest, um, yeah. where they yeah, want to yeah, like yeah. look closer and the stickers come in these beautiful little floral colors. There was like a whole, it was like a washi tape setup practically. And you put a little Darling. flower on your boob. Yeah. So it was cute. really, I was, I appreciated the innovation. It was, uh, it I was appreciate not that I, someone thought to do that. I agree. I, the whole mammogram, uh, center that I went to was very, beautifully thought out. And I really appreciated that in that moment of vulnerability to just be somewhere nice and cozy and, and pretty. Um, having visited both mine and yours, yours was incredibly chic and comforting and had orchids and lots of chrome and just like was really a lovely experience. Although I will say mm-hmm. I loved the people that I saw and the mammographer was really good. One of the cases she made about why it's, it was good that I came to do this, even though ultimately there was nothing there or there was nothing wrong. There was a cyst. Mm-hmm. It might go away. It might not. But basically by doing this mammogram on both breasts, um, because I was already there, and a sonogram, they then had a picture of you know my breast tissue and they could mm-hmm. compare future mammograms and sonograms against this and had a better understanding of the density and what I was working with here so that if there ever was an abnormality, it would be easier to spot. We both got mammograms and sonograms, which I thought was interesting because my understanding before ever having had a mammogram was that not everybody gets sonograms and you only get it if you have dense breast tissue. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that's just changing or, you know, I think it's probably worth asking when you go in, like, will I also get a sonogram? Will this be part yep. of it? Yeah. Um, because the sonogram does allow them to see things a little bit differently. It's a different um, angle on it. Yeah. And mine was just like, sort of like, I think related to breastfeeding, like a clogged milk duct or something, um, which was a relief, obviously. Obviously relief. And then ma'am, yeah. um, just a few months later, um, bless your heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got a colonoscopy. Oh my gosh. First timer. My first time doing it. Yeah. I, uh, I got a colonoscopy, which was not something I planned on doing this year at all. Definitely not this summer and definitely not in the midst of a pandemic. And I wanted to share it because part of honestly, my motivation for going was, well, one, that there was blood in my poop, um, which I was told my doctor about. Yeah. That was the best motivation. I told my doctor about it and I really was like, I think this is something related to like stuff still being weird post childbirth, even though it was a year and a half later. And I just, I had no other symptoms of anything internally being wrong. And 
honestly wasn't that worried about it. But as one does, when something like that happens, I called my doctor and described it to her. And she said, you really, you need to go to the gastroenterologist. Um, and I think you probably need to get a colonoscopy. And earlier this year, our friend who we talked about, Jason Poland, the artist had died of colon cancer. And I will never forget at the end of his service, his dad turning to everybody and saying, please get a colonoscopy, get a colonoscopy. And I, I'll never forget like the tone of voice, the the look on his face and just feeling like, yes, we do owe ourselves and you that um, because Jason was a couple years older than us when he died. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, even though I know this is nothing and I really feel this is nothing, I've got to do this. And then more recently, Chadwick Boseman died at such a young age too. And I just felt like, yeah, I should, I should share this story about the blood in my poop for everyone who might be nervous about getting a colonoscopy. So I go to the gastroenterologist and he said, yes, you need a colonoscopy. And the scariest part for me turned out to be the actual most miserable part, which is the fasting the day before. Um, you have, anything that involves you not eating on a like pretty strict two hour schedule is scary, I think, for everyone in, involved <laughs> in your life, honestly. And I immediately started bargaining with the guy, being like, well, could we do it on like this specific day at this specific time? Because for me, not eating is a very big deal, as if it's like very different for me than other people, which to, to be honest, I do that's not entirely a joke. I still believe that, but you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I believe it's a little different <laughs> for you having been around you, yeah. <laughs> for quite a lot, long time. And he like just laughed. He was like, no, we do them on like this day of the week and that day of the week. And you need to get it as soon as possible because like, it's better to do it while you're actually having the bleeding. So no, you're going to do it on Friday. And like, that's that you need to fast tomorrow or whatever it was. So the rules of the fasting are that you can have clear liquids. So this includes like lemon and lime flavored drinks, but you can't have grape or cherry juice or anything like that. You can have jello, which I honestly, for a minute, was like, I haven't had Jello in so long. Maybe this will be a fun thing. Jello's gross. You haven't forgotten something special about Jello. It's no. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. And you can have broth. And the one thing I did right was I got fancy chicken broth from this place in our neighborhood, Hearts. And let me tell you, it was the most glorious thing. When you're not eating and all you can do is just drink a lot of liquids, broth tastes like a feast. Um, so I highly recommend either like making your own broth, buying it from a nice grocer who makes their own or that place Brodo ships all across the country and they make really delicious broth. They're the people who popularize that whole trend of just drinking bone broth as in between meals or as a meal supplement. I don't know, but they do yeah, make good broth. All that collagen, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then at some point in the day, so you can also have a little bit of applesauce. That's like the closest you can get. And in the morning you can have plain yogurt so the day before you just want to eat a bunch of white carby things that are not going to, that are A, going to fill you up and B, not feel terrible coming out. And then sort of in that afternoon, you have to start taking this liquid drink that just completely evacuates your system. And it, it flushes your bowels. Flushes your bowels completely. And you know what? It's like miserable. But again, I was so prepared for this to be the hardest day of my life because I have never gone an entire day without eating <laughs> that I, yeah. you know, despite my knowledge that many people do this multiple times a year as part of religious rituals or what have you, I was just like, I'll never make it through. So honestly, I just, it was not fun, but I also knew that knowing myself, I wasn't going to be able to mentally function at a certain point. So I think at 4 PM that day, I was like, okay, I'm out. Like I can no longer be you productive. scheduled your day accordingly. Yeah. yeah. And just went and sort of waited. 
the thing I will say is thank God that I have a co-parent. And if I didn't, I would have asked somebody to be home because you can't care for a small child while also every two minutes being like, it's an absolute emergency. I need to go to the bathroom right now. Yeah. Um, yep. 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 So, but I made it and I, it, it just wasn't that terrible. I think the fact that I didn't eat a lot of acidic things the day before, cause I knew this was coming. It helped it not be so painful then you wake up the next day, you hopefully have this appointment scheduled first thing in the morning and they do a couple of tests just to make sure you're not pregnant and whatever else. They put you under for the colonoscopy itself. You wake up somehow, I don't know what sort of magic this is, but you wake up like as you're being wheeled back to your little area. And Erica, I had no idea there was ever anything in my butt. Like the the procedure itself is totally nothing. It's nothing. It's the prep that is so hard. Right, 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 right. And this whole time I just assumed that the reason everybody rightfully dreaded it and avoided it was because you're getting a video camera shoved up your butt, which sounds like- No, I would understand why you would think that that would be the bad part. Yeah. It's not. You don't feel it at all. And the fasting sucks, but it's like way worth it, right? To have the peace of mind. Of course. Absolutely. It's one day, which I know for you felt like three years, but <laughs> yeah. even so it's one day. And it's what, and it, and it doesn't start getting really awful until the end of the, until like halfway through that, that next day, because listen, you're not going to like go for, you know, a 10 mile run that morning, obviously, and work up with no, the appetite. You're going to eat a ton of just like pasta with cream sauce or a white pizza the night before. So you're really full and it's survivable. You can do it. Remember in the like, I guess, early aughts when colonics were just like the height of their trendiness and we just had to know and think about all the time about things being put up celebrities' butts at at the doctor's office? Yeah, I do. And I thought about that and I was like, I wonder if this is going to feel sort of refreshing like that. Because also, by the way, no longer just an early aughts thing. That woman, Emily Oberg, who has yeah. the Lion Sporty and Rich, did a strategist Q&A about things she can't live without. And one of them was colonics. And she was like, I just feel so clean and empty afterwards, which... That, I, that, that is what people say when they get them. Clean and empty are, are the two terms that people come back to, I guess. I didn't feel clean and empty after my colonoscopy, but I also didn't have water sprayed up my butt. But I will say it was kind of wild to see the pictures that they took inside of my butt and how it was really clean in there. There was nothing in there. It was empty. <laughs> it was empty. It was, it was emptiest it has been in probably a very long time. Yeah. And that it will have a totally be. fresh start. I did. And I thought that that would feel like interesting. And it wasn't though. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> now I can eat. Great. What, what did you eat after? I would, I think nachos. Cause I was on a real nacho kick then. You I were. was craving. And I, I remember I had really ripe avocados and I was glad that they <laughs> Riped that they ripened in time for me to be done with my. Wow, truly God's gift to you because <laughs> how rare is it that an avocado is ripe when you want it to be ripe? So you know? true, so true, wow. Erica. Yeah, and if you had wanted, like, think if your colonoscopy, if you had wanted to have the nachos the night before, and you had been eating right at that, I time, would have been. They frustrated. wouldn't have been ready for you. So I would have been so frustrated. Yeah, would have been that really so worked out. Frustrated. Wow, that timing was just a huge victory. I do feel like that's an important point. So I had read on the internet that some advice that like, well, you want to start out only eating white foods after getting a colonoscopy or whatever. And my doctor was like, no, you can eat whatever you want. You're fine. Go for it. And probably every doctor is different, but that was a nice thing to be like, okay. I have carte blanche. I can go. I don't have to eat something boring now. I will say I'm like not nearly as scared of colonoscopies as I once was. And I'm ready to start getting them when I need to start getting them again. Yeah. 
I think that makes a ton of sense. Speaking of when people should start getting them for adults with average colorectal cancer risk, the recommended age to start screening, which could or could not include a colonoscopy or, or progress to a colonoscopy is 45, according to the American Cancer Society. So, so I've got know, some time. Close. I've, yeah. We're getting close, yeah. but yeah. You do have a minute. You do have a minute. a minute. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say when we were talking about mammograms is mm-hmm. about breast self-exams, yes. which I am not nearly as good at doing as I should be. Um, according to the Mayo Clinic, the best time to perform a breast self-exam is the week after your period ends because of the sort of like breast tissue um, where it is in its cycle and all of that. But with as with most things, the best time to do it is when you remember to do it. And I feel like I need to put a reminder on my calendar or something that's mm-hmm. like the first of the month or the last day yeah. of the month or something to do these things that otherwise you're like, right, it's been four months since I even thought about this. I need to pair it with something fun. Like, I'm, yes. like I can't get a new bra until I've done a breast exam or something like that. That's a good one. Not that I'm getting new bras every month. Hardly, no. but no, something. But I do. Maybe it's like I can't have nachos again. Until I, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Yeah. If you need a guide, there is a really good and like very sort of like vibey, designy video called "Touch Your Tits" that May Ryan and Mona Chalabi did. It's a very good how to Mona Chalabi. You probably recognize her work from a very good pandemic and Black Lives Matter Instagram content mm-hmm. of recent months. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I mean, we've done it all. We think we talked about skin cancer screenings on another episode already, right? Totally. Oh, we've covered a lot, a lot of body. A lot of body. That's right. That's right. Okay, that's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and much more on a thing or two HQ.com. <laughs> <laughs>